Hello and welcome to this special two-part episode of History Laid Bare. Over these two episodes, we're taking a deep dive into the activities of two individuals from Finland during a conflict known as the Winter War. In the last episode, we looked at the exploits of Aimo Koivinen. In this episode, we're going to be looking at the activities of Simo Heihe, rumoured to be the most decorated sniper in human history. So sit back, relax, because here comes part two, Simo Heihe's story. Be back in the hot seat, well, indeed, it is Bertie. Yeah, um, in the last episode, we spoke about Imo Koivinen and his well, his, his mega 450 kilometer run. Well, pretty much, yeah, yeah, you wouldn't could you wouldn't could mm. you wouldn't could you wouldn't could does that <laughs> even make any sense? Yeah, it doesn't, but it is, it is quite late and it has been a little while since we last recorded, so yes, and let's. We're having technical issues. Sorry about that. (laughs) So, if you hear any strange noises in the background, as in one of our previous episodes, we are recording fairly close to a train line. There's nothing we can do about that. I'm very sorry. Also, Martin's not feeling very well. No, I'm not. He doesn't sound great, to be honest. Absolutely. No, I don't. He's an absolute trooper. Yay! He's going to muscle through. He's going to earn his... Whatever he's earning, and uh, a, a, probably me too. Hey, and then uh, happy pizza. days, <clears throat> pizza. Love it. So, how have you been, mate? You been okay? Uh, apart from being full of allergy, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, he hasn't um, been, hasn't been very well, have you? <coughs> Excuse me, sorry about that. Uh, no, I haven't been too well the last couple of days, maybe about a week. Feel you feeling better now? Yeah, getting there. He's getting there. Better, I mean, than, better than it was the other day. Well, that's fair that's play. Definitely saying something, but yeah, there you go. That's well, that's what we like. Um, so, Simo Heiha, had you heard, had you heard of him before before we started looking into the research for this? Funnily enough, I had heard of Simo Simo Heiha before before we started looking into the research for this. Um, it was. I want to say it's something that caught my eye while we were actually in school. In school? In school. Yeah, we're like, we're, we're going way back Ooh, there. Go- Me and Martin did go to school together, but you you are going way back now. Oh, yeah, I'm going way, way back. It's just one of them things. You, you read in a book and you, you come across something that's so extraordinary you don't believe it. And then when you mentioned it, I was like, hang on a minute, I'm pretty sure I've heard about him read about him so I did a little bit more research and deep dive kind of thing and I was like oh yeah I remember reading about him in school in year 11 well it, year 10 and year 11 to be fair <clears throat> see excuse me I'd never I mean I'd heard sort of his nickname because his nickname was the white death mm. which is apt and you'll find oh, out why as we progress yeah, through the episode it's extremely apt yeah, for it, him to have that nickname Absolutely perfect, yeah. um, but I must admit I wasn't particularly aware 
particularly 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 is that the word you're going for particularly particularly there you go I wasn't. Doesn't even sound right at all. Doesn't does it? But you know, no. I wasn't particularly aware. There we go. There. You got there. Thanks, mate. Yeah. I wasn't particularly aware of Simo until I come across the article, started reading up, and which we're joined by a cat. We've got a third member of the crew today. Yeah, I'm just wondering where he's going. Well, we'll soon find out. Um, probably hear some noise in the background if he goes in the window. If you do. It's just our newest team member. Yes, it's it's our mascot. Yeah, do you want to give her a shout out? Oh no, that's Kitty. Oh, is that Kitty? Yeah, it's Kitty. Oh, okay. I think I think Sally's in the living room. Oh, right, okay. Um, happy oh, you'll, days. You'll hear Sally. She'll announce herself. <clears throat> oh, happy days. Okay, so yeah, I'd never particularly heard. I'd never really heard of this guy. You had though. Mm. Um, Only in bits and pieces. Um, it was vaguely remembered from what I read. Yeah, you're talking like twenty odd years ago, there. Don't you? Yeah, yeah. It's an extraordinary story, though, isn't it? It is. It is a very extraordinary story. Now, before we go any further, <clears throat> some of these names and some of these words are Finnish. Are f- for their Finnish, there's no other way to put it. <laughs> they're they're Finnish. No, there really isn't. Um, we we can't dress this up. They are Finnish, and we're not. I am not fluent in Finnish whatsoever. Me by no means. I struggle to even pronounce half of these words. So if we do butcher the pronunciations, as always... We do apologise. We do apologise. We do try to do our research on the pronunciations of this, but it's really difficult to find some of them. So, And people do say them different and everything else. So we apologise. We're sorry we're not doing it on purpose. Uh, Well, you've always got regional dialect, haven't you? But that's... uh... I think for another time, possibly. Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind getting into accents. Actually, that'd be brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so <clears throat> Simo Heyer, Hey Ha Heyer, however it, it you would like to, you know, however it is pronounced, H A Y H A. I think it would be pronounced Heyer. All right, well, we'll go with Heyer. Okay, so Simo Heyer. He was born on December seventeenth, nineteen o five, in. I'm gonna have a go. Now, we, go, dis- we go discussed this word and we both said we're not doing it, but I'm going to try. Go, go for it. Go for it. Rauchavi. I'm going to say it sounds okay. It sounds, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it. Rauchavi. Okay, so the, the, the spelling is R-A-U-T-J-R, no, J-A-R-V-I. Rauchavi. I do know that where there's a J, that's got more of a Y sound. Yeah, that's... Usually. Usually, so maybe it is the correct pronunciation. So, Rauchavi, I'm trying not to say it with an accent because I'm not trying to mock anybody. No. Um, that, that, that's something we'd never do. Of course. So, Rauchavi in Vaipuri province in the Grand Duchy of Finland, at which at the time was part of the Russian Empire. Now, that is important because... Oh, this is very this is very important. Well, I I say we let them find out when. We, oh we, yeah, yeah. We, we need to we need to bring the people. We need to pull them in. Let's get the one. let's build the tension. Build, build the tension. Build the tension. Build, build that the tension. Story. Okay, right. But remember, folks, Russian Empire. He was born in the Russian Empire. <coughs> that is important. Mm. So, our friend Simu. He was the seventh of eight children, born to Lutherian. 
I think that's pl- the correct pronunciation. Oh, Lutheran. Oh, uh, there we go. <clears throat> Lutheran father. We discussed that before. We did, and you said it right. I know. What? What? What the Dickens? What the Dickens? Go on. Uh, anyway, he was L- born, Lutheran. Born, he was born to Lutheran farm, farmers, uh, Juho and Katrina. From a young age, uh, Simu was hunting and he was skiing. Right, so he was already sort of the outdoor life. He yeah, was. He, seemed, he lived he on a farm. He was hunting and skiing from a young age. He seemed very much attuned to the outdoor life. Comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, right, there's another word now coming up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. No, I've been fretting over this word all day. Okay. This is why I left this bit for you. Oh, please let me get this right, or at least even half right. Okay, so... At the age of 17, he joined the Finnish Volunteer Militia. I'm going to do it. Suyelos Kunta. I hope. I, I hope, ideally I, hope. I really, really hope you just pronounced that correctly. At least partly correctly. Suyelos Kunta. If this, we end up putting this up on YouTube, it does not get slammed. No, because there's a word in there that is not very nice. But no. it's Suyelos Kunta. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it, Cielos Kunta. Um, it sounds correct. It, yeah. sounds, it sounds right. Okay, so he excelled at shooting in the militia. I'm not saying it again. Um, and he won many competitions and he filled his home with trophies. So that must have made his, his mum and dad really. So do you think maybe he was sort of destined for the, the what happened during the... I mean, no, okay, so no one, obviously nobody could foresee the Winter War no, coming. No, no one, one could foresee the Winter War coming unless... Which which was a smaller conflict within the larger conflict of World War Two. Oh, yeah, it was... Um, which we explained we, we in the last explained episode. It, we explained that in part one. It was... It was like you, a, in case you haven't heard part one, um, the Winter War was sort of a larger... A smaller... A sm- smaller, rather, sorry, conflict... Within the larger context of World War Two, yeah. So it was a war within a war. Basically, yeah. Russia yeah. was like, "We want our land back," and then was like, "Nah, mate." Okay. So that that's was the only way. That's the easiest well, yeah. way you can describe it. Yeah, Finland had had their independence from Russia yeah. for a long time, and they they, well, they said, "No, we, you're not getting it back." No. So, so, um, go on. You 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 hit the next bit. Nice. Well. Our friend Seaman, he was an introvert, and he didn't really like the spotlight. He preferred to stay at the back, uh, stay in the back of competition photos and family pictures. And in nineteen twenty-five, he began a fifteen-month compulsory military service in the Second Bicycle Battalion in the. Uh, the <laughs> I just said Vipuri. Vipuri. Province. Again, we apologise if that's not right. I'm really struggling with some of these words. So am I. I it's difficult. I do, but we're, I we're do trying apologize. to. It's we just trying to get my tongue around the pronunciations of them. We are trying to do it justice. We really are. Um, okay, but in 1938, Heyer began his sniper training. Now, as we said in the intro, he was known as the White Death and re- reputedly. To be, he was known to be the most decorated sniper with the most confirmed kills ever in history. 
that's that's what that's what they say that's what they say but if you're going up against someone like that who's got an eye like he had i'll say it now you ain't coming back okay so actually that leads nicely into this because major tapio sar saralainen saralainen i think it's saralainen okay to be to to look at the spelling yeah we'll try and do it phonetically so saralainen um, who, that might be the best idea to yeah, do phonetically. To yeah. be fair. Um, he was Simo's biographer. Um, he claims that Simo was able to estimate distances to within one meter, which is about three point three feet, up to one hundred and fifty meters or five hundred feet. So, if he's between, if he's anywhere up to five hundred feet away, he can estimate the distance up to within three point three feet or a meter. Okay, which is is it's pretty impressive, but that possibly yeah, that's come it. from his, his hunting background and his skiing background. And well, you'd, you'd think with him obviously growing up on a farm, hunting and skiing from an early age, you you'd maybe I'll say maybe he was more than likely using a rifle. Yeah, he will have been. It yeah, could have been a Finnish-made rifle, or it could have been a Russian-made rifle. I would say if it was Russian-made rifle, it might have been a Mosin. Well, he actually, <clears throat> well, later on we'll find out he actually did use a Mosin Nagant. Oh. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Anyway. So, right, anyway, just to, to give this a little bit of context, you know, how difficult this is, because I've fired a bolt action rifle. Have you fired a bolt action rifle? Um, No, I haven't actually fired a bolt action rifle, but I've, I've fired a semi automatic rifle. <clears throat> okay, well, I've fired a bolt action rifle, and it's not easy. Um, I to be honest, I wouldn't think that it would be. And to for this during his during his civil guard training, he reportedly once hit a target 150 meters away, 16 times in one minute with a bolt action rifle. So I'm just going to run through the bolt action rifle operation. Um, wouldn't you need at least a magazine to do that? Or well, was he? He was bolt out round him, bolt out shot. Reportedly, he was just that quick. Wow. Okay. So, it, in case you're unaware, a bolt-action rifle. It's an older type of weapon um, that uses a bolt. And I've, I've, I went on and I looked up the, the operation, and I'm going to read it now. And he did this 16 times in one minute and hit the target. We ready? Slide the bolt handle upwards and pull it back. This ejects the spent bullet casing out of the breech. Pushing the bolt forward loads a new round into the chamber. Pushing the bolt down locks the round into place, completing the action and making the weapon ready to fire. Now, having done it, it's difficult because as you're moving the bolt and pulling it back, it's throwing your aim. So oh, then yeah, you've you've got to sort of complete the action, pull the bolt back, flick the casing, push it forward and push it down, then recenter that aim, and that is not easy. And I did. I think I got about five rounds off in a minute, if I remember. Was that good? It was good for me. Well, there you go then. I was happy. No win. I, I don't think. No white death though. I don't think I hit the target once. I have to be honest. <laughs> but I got five rounds away in under think, a minute. I think that target would be sitting there going, "Oh, thank God for that." Yeah, that target was the safest target on the range. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, I couldn't possibly imagine doing that 16 t- because it's hard as well. It's not an easy thing to do. It, it's it, well, no, I wouldn't, I, you're holding the rifle, so you're fatiguing in your arm. Well, you, you will end up having the fatigue in your arm. But Plus the action of everything else. Plus, he was doing this in the cold. I did it in a nice, cushy, air-conditioned, heated rifle range. This guy was doing this outside. Was he doing this at Alcar? Yeah. Water. He was outside in the freezing cold. I was going to say freezing. Freezing cold. Doing this. And his life... I personally think you were going to say something else. No, I was definitely going to say freezing. But his life depended on this. Well, yeah, yeah. And... Oh, mine, I can't even contemplate having fired the same weapon he has same type of setup there's no way I could have done that 16 times in a minute not a chance well I suppose it comes from living on a farm hunting skiing you just yeah it's not gonna it's not going to happen on the main streets of Liverpool, no, is it? Let's be gonna, fair. It's not going to happen on the main streets of Liverpool. You'll probably get somebody looking at you the wrong way and be like, what, lad? Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of thing. <clears throat> but, yeah. So it does take a lot of time, patience and practice. Um, and it, he was the best, so they say. Um, and, yeah, so he served his time as a sniper during the Winter War. And he used a variant of the Vosen. Uh, the the Vosen. The Vosen. The Mosin Nagat rifle. And it, of course, it was, was a bolt action. Bolt action. Okay. So. Tell us more. Simu. He was nicknamed the White Death. Now, you've heard us mention this a few times. He has been called the most successful sniper in history. Most snipers now use, obviously, a scope and use a spotter. Two-man team. Yep. Nice. So there's a telescopic device on top of the rifle with optics and range, and and you've got someone next to them with a pair of binoculars or a rangefinder, calculating the calculating range the range, doing the math, and he just is. It's a two-man operation. Now. Yeah. Now. Our man Simu didn't use a scope. He used iron sight. He didn't use a scope. Now, this might not mean anything to any of you, but he hit no optics, no telescope on the top of his rifle, no one to tell him how far his targets away were. All he had was what was on his gun. Now, he didn't want to change his competition winning method. Not only that, not having a, a big telescopic sight on top of his rifle, made him harder to spot there was no risk of lens glare from the scope of the rifle and there was far less for him to maintain on the move yeah. so it makes it does make perfect sense he's as as we've said before he's been hunting since he was a kid he's been skiing since he was a kid his eye was trained for this so Telescopic sights also had a tendency to cloud up in cold weather. Yeah. And <laughs> you don't want any of that if you're a sniper. No, you but don't. One thing you've actually missed out a little bit there. Go on. Have you ever seen what happens when somebody stupidly sticks the tongue to a cold bar in winter? Yeah. If it's cold enough, you, you, cold you enough, will stick to the bar. You, you will stick to the bar. You will. 
there was instances of people's eyes being stuck to their rifles, telescopic sights. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Wow. Re- really? Really. Oh my, oh, my life. It's not a nice thing to see. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah. Kind of thing. Oh. So there's another advantage. Absolutely. To not having a telescopic sight. Absolutely. And see, Martin and I both wear glasses. Yeah. So you go out in the cold. The fog up. Okay, so yes, if you've ever been out in the cold with glasses on, you understand. It just goes foggy, you can't see. And it's even worse when you walk back into the warm. Oh, oh. I have to take mine off. I can't cope. No, it's no Do good. You know what? I actually did that the other night going into work. It's awful, isn't it? And it had been raining. I get off the bus. Bus is nice and warm. Fog. Fog. And I'm like, oh. Yeah. It's not good. It's awful. So, obviously, Haya didn't want that. That no. issue. No, he didn't Which, want that issue. At fair all. enough. And uh, again, he could, you know, there's no risk of glare, there's no risk of any sunlight reflecting off oh, off his lens and giving his position away. Um, and, okay, so the iron sights, I just don't want any confusion here. If you've ever seen a cowboy film, the little pips on top of the pistol that the cowboys aim with, they're your iron sights. And that's all he had. That's all he used. Um, other little little thing, little tricks he had. Um, he was uh, he was small. He was a small man, according to, to to what I've read. He was about five foot three, um, which also helped with concealment. Um, he used to dig himself down. He kept bread and sugar in his pockets for the calories to keep warm, and he wore multiple layers, which is obviously sensible if you're outside in the snow. Oh yeah, without um, a doubt. Yeah, but because it's gonna be it's gonna be deathly cold. But the Simo did it properly, so he would often prepare his positions before the sun come up, and would stay there until after the sun went down, and he'd build little snow mounds to hide himself, while he observed the enemy movements. Also, he'd hard pack the snow. Now I found this interesting. Hard pack yeah. that this was clever. He pressed the snow into hard pack because. It, <laughs> Snow in Finland is obviously different to snow than we have here. Yeah, it's like a very fine. It's a lot more snow. powdery. It's a lot more fine. There's a lot more of it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have ever baked, if you pat on the flour, it goes hard. Mm. Yeah. S- same kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. So he'd pat the snow down and he'd make, make himself sort of a, a hard snow wall, okay, that he would then use as his... As his position and when he fired the puff of the rifle didn't puff snow up about him so there was no way to know where the bullet was coming from and also like to point out he also used to put snow in his mouth to hide his breath that is just that's not clever that's just downright sneaky that's that's sneaky that's insidious that is it's it's, it's it's almost underhand isn't it you think oh it's, it's, that's it's, almost cheating it's a little bit naughty but a little bit clever and all genius at the same time. Well, it, it was until, until he got shot in the jaw. Oh. <laughs> um, it's not funny that he got shot in the no, jaw, I'm of course. Saying, I'm like, oh. Yeah. Okay. So on the 6th of March, 1940, he got hit in the jaw by an explosive bullet, no less. Believed to have been fired by a Red Army soldier. Ouch. I believed to be dead after the battle. Hair was placed amongst a pile of other dead Finnish soldiers 
until a fellow soldier noticed his leg twitching. Now, if I was a fellow soldier seeing a pile of meathead's brothers in arms, now, you see enough war films, you see enough graphic stuff on the TV, you'd think, oh, it's just an involuntary nervous twitch. So, what made him go over and see if Simu was still alive? Well, I read, um, I didn't actually put this into the notes, and I do apologise. I read there was a, a tear running down his face. Due to the pain, maybe? Possibly due to the pain. Um, but yeah, I, I did. I distinctly remember reading that. I could have that confused, so don't quote me. But there's something in the back of my head telling me that there was a tear running down his face, and the soldier noticed that as well. So it wasn't just like a... wasn't just an involuntary leg, leg twitch. Leg because twitch. you don't cry if you're dead. Well, no, that's very true. Yeah. But our hero in the story, he was immediately evacuated to the nearest field hospital. Hair had half his face missing. The bullet had <coughs> destroyed most of his upper jaw, lower jaw, and majority of his cheek. Yeah. So that's of a horrific injury that's that's an injury that's um yeah and rumors apparently spread around finland um and the soviet union that the most prolific sniper had been killed um but a week later uh on the day the winter war ended funnily enough uh, 13th of march 1940 he read about his own death in the newspaper in the press and he wrote a letter to his local paper to uh, <clears throat> correct the misunderstanding. <laughs> He's just like, excuse me, but contrary to pop- popular opinion, I'm not dead. Yeah, no, I'm still very much here. I'm in hospital. Yeah. Hello there. I'm recovering. So it took 14 months and 25 surgeries for him to recover. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of, t- a lot of time and a lot of surgeries. Yeah, poor bloke, he must have gone through agony. He must have done. Yeah. Um, you never know, he might have been given some meth. Let's not. <laughs> Let's not. <coughs> I'm sorry, that's just a throwback to part one. Part one. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't listened to part one, go back and listen to it. That is a really good episode. I enjoyed that one. I did myself, but I'm sorry, I just had to throw that in there. Okay. Right. So there's another hard word coming up, and I'm going to let you because I've taken the last two. So go on. So post war. Um, Hale was given a small farm in Valkjavi, southern Finland. He became a successful moose hunter, dog breeder, and even enjoyed hunting hunting trips with uh, the Finnish president. The man struggling. Uh, I'm going to say Hoka Cohen. I'm hoping that's the correct pronunciation. I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to go Euro Kakonen. What do you think? Uh, it could be. It, your, 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 Erho, Erho, could be, Erho, uh, Kekkonen. Uh, we are so sorry. Uh, I, I, Just I, butchering pronunciations left, I right and centre. I feel like we really need Google Translate for this. Well, well, well no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Do you know the sad thing, though, after the war, um, the most prolific sniper in history reportedly received death threats his actions in the second world war yeah. and 
sadly he t I, I can understand this because he wasn't he was an introvert as we said earlier on he tended to avoid crowds as his scars made him very recognizable he never married and he never had any children yeah and as sad as that is i think maybe no it's sad it is it is sad there's, so, there's not there's yeah. not an else you can say no because he was he was doing what he needed to do to protect his homeland yeah he was protecting his family <clears throat> maybe his parents and his brothers and sisters yeah or whatever yeah and he, he was doing his at the time he was, he was doing, doing his duty there we go he was a modest man and according to what i read he never boasted about his wartime experiences he never spoke about it he, he never took any kind he didn't like any kind of praise or credit and he was asked in an interview if he felt any remorse for killing so many people he simply said i did what i was told to do and i did it as well as i could i believe there would be no finland if everyone else had not done the same now that's about as as, be, as, as basic as you can get that's about as honest yeah as you can there's no I'd, more honesty. Than he was a soldier and he was doing his job. Yeah. End of story. To be fair, there's been a few times where people have turned up. People that I will not mention who've turned around and said, I was just doing my job. But he was, though. But That's the thing. Was. He was doing his job. Um, and those people that were t I'm talking about there used that as an excuse. Yeah. He was... He was... It was his was a reason. His was a reason. Yeah. He was defending his home. Absolutely. He was defending his people. Yeah. So in his book, Military Chaplain, Anti Rantamar? Anti 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 Rantamar. Uh, he credited Heyer with an astonishing five hundred and forty two kills. I mean accounts vary, but none of them I've read go below five hundred and three confirmed. That is five hundred and three confirmed confirmed is the kills we know of now you know why he's called the white death absolutely because what about all the potential unconfirmed kills well there's there could be could be many many more there could be many many more you know, yeah. he, he, a bullet could have gone straight through the target and hit something else and i don't know caused an explosion yeah or <clears throat> It could have ricocheted into someone else and killed so, them, or exactly. You, so you never know. You just don't. So there is confirmed kills with his with his rifle, with, oh. with his rifle. Um, so I found, well, a Finnish army document was found, and it gives some of his actual stats. So I'll do a couple, and you do a couple. Yeah. Okay. okay so I'll go, I'll go first. Um, 22nd of December 1939 he'd been in combat for 22 days and he had racked up on 138 kills from uh, 28th of January 1940 uh, he'd been in combat for I want to say 35 days well between six is that between between the 22nd and 28th is 35 days oh yes yeah, sorry so he'd been in combat, what, 61 days yeah. by that point? Something like that, yeah. And he'd racked up 199 kills. Okay. So we hit, <coughs> we get from the 28th of January to the tw to the 17th of February, 1940. 
he was on from the beginning. So we, we're going from the, the start of the Winter War, the minute he, he started combat, up to now. It's the 28th of January 1940, and he's got 199 kills, scoring 35, scoring 61 kills in the 35 days since the 22nd of December. Okay, now this is getting a little bit confusing. It is, it, it it is, is a little bit. bit. So, on the 17th of February 1940, he had 219 kills. That's so 20 in 22 days. days. Yeah, between the 20th of January and the 17th of February, 22 days. He killed 20 people. That's just, just under one a day. And the 7th of March 1940, one day after his injury, he had... 259 kills that's 40 kills in 18 days that's that's pushing two a day yeah in those conditions in those conditions in that cold wow unbelievable i mean it's hard not to be impressed it is we do i do have to put a disclaimer in here that we know that doesn't add up to 503 but these are only his reported kills yeah so yeah. so but yeah um witnesses and and other documents all it racks up to around to, to no less than 503 however the army chaplain who wrote uh, who wrote a book on here um credits him with 542 which is a lot it's a lot of kills um to wrap this up how did the world's greatest sniper end his days well, our man, Heyer, Simu, he spent his final years in a veteran's nursing home and sadly he passed away in 2002 at the, the grand old age of 96. Yeah, so there you go. That was Simo Heyer. The White Death. The White Death. There's been songs written about him and he's been portrayed in films. and mm. Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting. I liked researching it. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Any any final thoughts on this one, Martin? Final thoughts. Um, it saddens me to think that a man who was defending his own country from an oppressive regime wanting to claim back land that they said they owned, and he didn't. Because... The nation's a sovereign nation. Got death threats for what he did. Yeah. It, and I, it, I never found out where the death threats come from. I'm going to assume they came from Russia. Well, we can't exactly say that. That, that could just be speculation yeah. and conjecture. Yeah. We, we don't exactly know, so we'll put, a, we'll put a pin in that one. A little bit of a pin in that one. It, Fair it, enough. It could be. Then again, it couldn't. We don't know. But I will say something now. Um, train. <laughs> that, well, that was the that's the trains we told you about in yeah, at the beginning. Uh, yeah, the, the one's just gone past. Yeah. I don't want to overly make this a little bit overly political. But no, let's let's try let's keep the politics politics no, out of it. I want to keep the politics yeah. out of it, but 
certain situations have shades of the Winter War that are currently happening now. Well, yeah, they do. <clears throat> it seems to be, yeah, a recurring theme, unfortunately. Um, and um, we, we wish all those under under pressure over there, we wish them well, we wish them all the best. Indeed we do. You know, stay um, strong. Yeah, stay strong. That's the main thing you can, well, fight. Oh, well, yeah. Obviously. Defend yourselves. Defend yourselves, but um, stay strong yeah. and our thoughts are with you. Absolutely. But, other than that, I actually enjoyed these two episodes. I really did. I did. Because this, I I think this is a part of history that we should be taught. Yeah. I mean, I, I uh, didn't know the Winter War until I'd researched it. And, you know, we, we've got characters like Imo Koivinen and Simo Ayer. Interesting people who've done extraordinarily, extraordinarily interesting things. And you never heard about it. And I've never heard of either of them until I started researching these episodes. Well, I think you were a little bit shocked when you said to me, oh, we're doing this. And I was like, oh, really? We're, do- we're, we're doing that? And I was like, oh, yeah. that's that's something I know a little bit about. It, and you're like, wait, what? Yeah, I didn't have a clue. Um, right, okay, well, I agree with you. I think it's quite sad that someone who was, because he was, I don't want to, labor the point but he was just doing his job yeah, he was a he was soldier just, he was trying to kill that's what he did yeah. end of story whether you agree disagree impartial whatever he was a soldier in a war trying to kill did his job yeah didn't boast didn't brag um and i just think it's really sad that he i'm a, i agree with you there he receiving death threats it's um, never it's it's not big and it's not clever that that's that's assuming that the death threats were not from the other side. Yeah, that is assuming that the death threats weren't from the other side. You know, and because you never know they could have been from could have been from anywhere really. Could have been from anywhere really. But we will say it's not big, it's not clever. <coughs> now or then. Yeah, no, don't go threatening people, there's no need for it. No. Um so that was Simo. We're wrapping up our two part mini Two, two part mini two part episode special episode however you want to call it uh, two part mini sode two part mini sode I like that I like that okay uh, next episode wherever we go we'll be moving away from World War 2 I think yeah I think I think we do need to let's, let's to branch out a bit and move and away from obvious the obvious history yeah, yeah. Um, I do apologise there's banging in the background <laughs> It's time we wrap it up. It's time we wrap it up. But I will say, I did suggest something to David the other day for a possible Halloween episode. Yeah, oh, yeah, you did. Um, That's absolutely possible. Hopefully, we can get that. We can get that done and wrapped up. Let's for see. Let's Halloween. Let's see if um, we can get the research in. I think the research should be quite easy for that. Yeah, one, but, you know, fair enough. We'll. Um, We'll see if we can pull some strings and get that get that out to you. Absolutely. In the meantime, I've been Dave C. Vanneman. I've been Martin Ian Normand. This has been History Late Bear. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Take care, everyone.